Crown of Thorns by Iris Bluefick Chapter 73 An Invitation You Can't Decline Home, 24th of December 2005 Having just bundled three delightful guests into their coats and seen them off, Aziraphale sagged with his back against the front door. It had been a near thing, shooing them by sundown, but they had readily agreed that Christmas Eve was best spent with one's family. Aziraphale's family, by the metric of six millennia as friends, the latter two weeks of which had marked the start of much more, was in the living room, and he wanted more wine. On his way back through the kitchen, Aziraphale erred on the side of champagne, pulling a bottle of Moet and Chandon from the fridge. The disadvantage to entertaining humans was the necessity of seeming human. This entailed stocking one's cold storage appliances with alcohol. Crowley was curled up in the corner of the sofa when Aziraphale returned, fiddling with the juniper-handled Laioli waiter's corkscrew that their guests had brought as a gift. He'd stopped long enough to push his sunglasses up into his hair and make grabby hands. Taking his time, Aziraphale twisted off the mousselette before handing over the bottle. They'll have me doing this the old-fashioned way yet, Crowley said, sticking the bottle between his legs while he pried a serrated steel claw out of hiding at one end of the tool. The blade part's pointless, I used to think, he mused, slicing through the gold foil. What one fingernails? Aziraphale bent down and kissed him, and then took a seat beside him on the sofa cushion. You know that's not necessary, he sighed, realising Crowley was dead set on flagrant misuse. I might have cut myself, Crowley groused, flushing pink, but he was smiling as he painstakingly peeled away the foil and got down to business, twisting the corkscrew. Reckless. Not so bad. Aziraphale said, sliding his arm surreptitiously around Crowley. Wearing a jumper, is it? He plucked at the charcoal and grey fair isle pattern over Crowley's shoulder. You look quite fetching, he murmured in Crowley's ear. Popping the cork free, Crowley gave Aziraphale a withering look that bordered on fond. This isn't what I had in mind when I told you not to get me another espresso machine he cautioned, setting the tool-impaled cork down on the coffee table. Blessed thing itches. That's why you ought to have worn something underneath, Aziraphale said, reaching for their empty glasses. He held them while Crowley filled one after the other to the brim. Crowley read the bottle's label, brown knitting in realisation before he set it down. Seriously? 1990 was a good year, said Aziraphale, raising his glass with a straight face. Lower the tone, why don't you? Crowley sighed, but he clicked the rim of his glass off Aziraphale's all the same. I guess we're meant to toast to the future and all that rot. We've already had more of one than we thought we'd get, Aziraphale reminded him, drinking deeply. Fifteen years, imagine that! I'll gladly drink to fifteen more, my dear. 
Sucking down three quarters of his glass, Crowley tipped into Aziraphale's shoulder. Yours is itchy too, he muttered, rubbing his cheek there anyway. Overcome with the unprecedented ease of such contact, Aziraphale plucked the sunglasses out of Crowley's hair and kissed his forehead. At least I didn't insist on matching ones. If you had, I wouldn't have worn mine, Crowley admitted, patting Aziraphale's cheek. He waved his hand and the sunglasses vanished from Aziraphale's grasp. Simple as that. Don't be silly, Aziraphale scoffed, taking another sip. Our company would have harped on it. Oh, as if that would have stopped you. Crowley replied, shifting to straddle Aziraphale's lap. Aziraphale wasn't over the fact that Crowley wanted this, wanted him, to be precise. Finish up, he urged, guiding the glass back up to Crowley's lips, so we can have more. Crowley snapped his fingers, and both of their glasses were full again. I know we're doing this human style and all, but I refuse to move he said, pressing their foreheads together. Cupping Crowley's cheek, Aziraphale pressed a kiss to the corner of his mouth. Is that so? Fact, Crowley murmured, shivering as he took an undignified slurp from his glass. Hmm. You wanted to end the day like we started it, Aziraphale reminded him. Just the two of us. I wanted a proper Christmas Eve. Crowley agreed. And I'm getting it. What else do humans do in front of the fire, eh? He swallowed more champagne and then kissed Aziraphale lingeringly on the mouth. I'm not one for carols. Maybe ghost stories, or I don't know. No Dickens rehash! Aziraphale cut in, horrified. I forbid it. That hack's overdone enough. I liked Dickens. Crowley protested, pouting. Paid by the word. Can you blame him? I'd as soon watch one of the adaptations, Aziraphale said. At least then it gets interesting. Muppets or nothing, Crowley offered, glancing sidelong at the telly. I forbid Disney. I fear we're at an impasse, Aziraphale said, drowning the rest of his glass. Thirds, dear boy? Crowley filled their glasses again, and Aziraphale noticed that the level of champagne in the bottle on the coffee table was indeed diminishing. He kissed Crowley slowly this time, sussing out whether Crowley's clinginess meant he wanted to take this elsewhere. You can ravish me later, Crowley whispered with charming chagrin. Let's tell ghost stories. Aziraphale made an irritated noise and sipped his champagne. I don't know any ghost stories. <laughs> you, surrounded by books all the lifelong day, Crowley laughed. Don't know any. Strictly speaking, Aziraphale knew any number of banal supernatural narratives that humans had devised to occupy themselves in the dark of the year. He also knew a number of true ones to which Crowley had also been privy, and dwelling on those wasn't wise. Please, Crowley asked softly, eyes luminous in spite of the fact he was backlit by the fire. Aziraphale supposed there was no harm in dredging up the pedestrian, perhaps even the anecdotal. 
That was the bread and butter of apparition-related oral tradition, wasn't it? I suppose you'll be wanting to hear something from London, he ventured at length. Crowley snorted, sending his glass to the coffee table where it materialised beside his sunglasses. You overestimate my homesickness. The novelty of being here hasn't worn off. The point, I thought, was for it not to wear off, Aziraphale ventured, suddenly perplexed. Anything's a novelty until it settles, Crowley said, clearing his throat. <clears throat> no, I don't mean... I know what you mean, Aziraphale reassured him, banishing his glass too. I read a news feature once that claimed London has more ghosts per square foot than anywhere on Earth. Dare you to dig up one that's new to me? Crowley said, conspiratorially. I know, Spooky. You like to think you do, Aziraphale thought, mulling over his options. They were vastly dull and grimly overdone, no small thanks to the city's plethora of ghost tours. How about we just debunk some? Crowley suggested, his brow furrowing as he watched Aziraphale think. Here, I'll go first. That stuff about Handel House is rubbish. Hell has him. I appreciated the exorcism they did four years ago, though. Cleared my sinuses for a week. Aziraphale brushed at the corner of Crowley's mouth as it twitched up, half smiling with him. I might have spirited you away for a while, had I known Mayfair was in for one, he admitted. Ineffective. They ought to have jettisoned exorcisms and stuck with holy water, Crowley said. This isn't so much debunking as clarification, Aziraphale ventured, thinking of something offhand. That couple in the Greenwich foot tunnel is real enough. Helen and Gary. A colleague of mine couldn't persuade them away, not even with the promise of heaven. Night after night they're content to stroll the place they first met. Romantic, I always thought. Can't blame them, Crowley said, leaning forward to huddle against Aziraphale's shoulder. We're hung up enough on the place we first met. Defended it to the bitter end. An end that didn't come, Aziraphale reminded him, wondering if champagne on top of the wine from earlier had finally gone to his head. You ought to do something about the dead monk at Great St. Bart's, Crowley suggested. Aziraphale sniffed, thinking of the last handful of times he'd got the lowdown on that. I have it on sound authority that Rahir's harmless enough when he's not tripping alarms. They ought to just put the sandal back in his tomb. I can relate to a man fond of his shoes. Aziraphale wrapped his arms around Crowley's waist. He rested his cheek against Crowley's hair, feeling warm and pleasantly drowsy. There's something I ought to have told you, he said hesitantly. About these very premises. No, Crowley yawned, nuzzling into Aziraphale's neck. Not possible. Snut haunted. Perhaps not at present, Aziraphale agreed. But one of the former residents did die here. Thought 
two of them died while living here, but not necessarily in here, Crowley said. The one just before us passed an hospital, Aziraphale said, trying to recall the chat he'd had with their agent over the paperwork. But the one before that? Crowley shrugged, tucking a kiss beneath Aziraphale's earlobe. All this place feels as loved. I'd have it stay as such, whispered Aziraphale, with the abrupt clarity intoxication imparted. Crowley's fingers curled and uncurled at Aziraphale's nape, combing through the wisps there. I can manage that, he said. Loving you has been no grief anywhere else, so why not here? Aziraphale held Crowley tightly, closing his stinging eyes. Loving you has been all my joy. Crowley sighed, but in concern rather than in exasperation. <sighs> Is it time to cut you off, Angel? I rather fear your ghost stories, Gambit, failed. Aziraphale said ruefully. Yes, maybe so. Don't want to sober up, said Crowley. I bet some version of Christmas Carol is on. Aziraphale made a successful grab for the programming guide that was on the coffee table. Flipping through it one-handed on the sofa cushion while Crowley made content noises against the side of his neck was a chore, but he got the job done. Our choices are Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone on BBC One, Aziraphale read, and Miss Marple, 450 from Paddington, on BBC Two. I'm not watching Miss Marple, Crowley said emphatically, nipping the spot he'd just kissed. Aziraphale waved the Potter film on, knowing they wouldn't pay that much attention anyway. Drinking in companionable silence after a substantial meal was a time-honoured tradition, and if there was anything Aziraphale respected, it was that. He'd come to respect Crowley more, but since the demon was just as big a fan of the traditional, the decision didn't warrant much fuss. Aziraphale leaned into Crowley, while overblown opening credits sprawled their way across the television screen. The particular vintage they were drinking had been an astute call indeed, dulcet enough to appease Crowley's sweet tooth, but possessed of enough bite that Aziraphale didn't feel like transforming it into something red. Don't know about you, Crowley said, sinking lower on the sofa as he drained his champagne flute, wiggling his toes against the edge of the coffee table. But I'm hungry. Aziraphale steadfastly ignored the young adult drama unfolding on the telly, emptying his flute so that he too could slouch to a Crowley-worthy degree. He reticently braced the balls of his feet against the coffee table, trying the sheer indolence on for size. I can see why propping one's extremities on the nearest piece of furniture not built for the purpose holds so much appeal. It's bound to leave smudges on lacquered wood, and the overall effect it has is anything but elegant. Crowley snickered, snapping his fingers so that both of their glasses vanished. Sloth, really? I've already got a handle on this one, as you're fond of pointing out, said Aziraphale irritably, bumping Crowley's shoulder with his own. 
I'm taking it to the logical extreme. If you think bare feet on furniture is as extreme as it gets, Crowley marvelled. Whoo-wee! Aziraphale scoffed wearily. Rather hard to fetch leftovers from this position, I should think. Somehow twisting his body without losing toe purchase on the coffee table, Crowley snuggled into Aziraphale's side. He ran his hand over Aziraphale's belly, slipping his pinky deftly beneath Aziraphale's overdone top layers. The soft, slyly calculated brush of Crowley's finger made Aziraphale shiver. You didn't really want to watch an insipid Christmas Eve film, did you? Crowley murmured. No, my dear, Aziraphale sighed, setting his hand against Crowley's middle in turn. He rucked up the grudgingly worn, itchy jumper with caution, palming the planes of Crowley's ribs and stomach. Shivering, Crowley melted into the cushions with a breathy sigh. I was thinking more dessert. That wouldn't go amiss, Aziraphale agreed, delivering a light, fond pinch to Crowley's side. Someone stuck both pies in the fridge. Crowley griped, swallowing a giggle as he flinched. I don't think custard is meant to be eaten cold. Too lazily aroused to get up and do things the old-fashioned way, Aziraphale snapped the fingers of his free hand. A plate with two surprised, flash-heated slices of requested confection landed on the cushion next to him. He stopped caressing Crowley and reached for it, bringing it over to balance precariously between their pressed-together hips. There'll be none of you complaining about crumbs, Aziraphale warned, materialising a fork. He cut a diminutive sliver of custard, nudging it enticingly against Crowley's lips. Crowley took the bite without protest. He licked the tines with a hazy expression that suggested this had no more been about food for him than it had been about cinema for Aziraphale. It's good, he said, opening his mouth for more, so Aziraphale obliged him. I could make this. Aziraphale snorted and indulged in a heaped forkful. You? Baking? That would be the day. Listen, there's a lot you don't know, said Crowley, making a grab for the fork. No fair. Ah, ah, Aziraphale chided, holding it out of his reach. You needn't lift a finger. No, but I could lift the plate, Crowley said, and do a repeat of the blasted cream cake. You wouldn't replied Aziraphale with mock horror, but he swung the fork back within range and scooped another piece of pie. He fed it to Crowley. My poor coat never recovered. That coat bit the dust at least a century before you decided to put it back on, Crowley said with his mouth full, snatching the fork. With fierce concentration, he cut off a piece that, given the angle at which they were slouching, Aziraphale would have difficulty swallowing. Yes, but you thought I looked quite fetching, Aziraphale mumbled once Crowley had successfully shoveled the custard into his mouth. He swallowed. I could tell. Unblinking, Crowley took one more bite of the pie dropped the fork on the plate and banished the whole lot to the coffee table. 
he took hold of Aziraphale's collar and hauled him into a kiss that, while sticky on account of the custard, was more tempting than gluttony or sloth. Change of plans, Crowley whispered against Aziraphale's mouth. I thought we might... Here? Aziraphale asked, certain he was suggesting something trickier to clean than crumbs. Crowley nodded, tangling his fingers in a hurried effort to remove Aziraphale's jumper. Here. There'll be none of your complaining about... Oh! Aziraphale gasped, twisting off the sofa so he could dislodge Crowley's feet from the table and kneel between his thighs. Not that he had had many encounters to go on just yet, but Crowley only vanished their clothes when he was feeling touchy about stamina. Crowley, what? I'm... <sighs> managed the demon, his attractively flushed chest already heaving. Not full enough. Aziraphale leaned forward, dipping his fingers into the sensitive hollows behind Crowley's knees, before sliding his forearms beneath them, just so. He couldn't breathe at the thought, but his wanting equalled Crowley's, if not exceeded it. Crowley closed his eyes and shifted, hooking his knees over Aziraphale's elbows. Not the most comfortable position, but Aziraphale was steady at least, and Crowley was flexible. He made an irritated sound, rubbing his fingers together with a look of concentration until they went slick. Please don't rush, Aziraphale murmured, bending forward to lavish kisses on Crowley's exposed neck, while Crowley worked himself open one trembling digit at a time. I've... Look, I've tried this, Crowley gasped, his eyes opening wide. For science. Only on yourself, I should hope, Aziraphale soothed, aiming for a good-natured joke. He lapped at the hollow of Crowley's throat, and the resulting sounds were just divine. Harp in the irony, why don't you? Crowley whimpered, clutching stickily at Aziraphale's shoulders. When had he freed up both hands, and how had he managed to last? I didn't mean... Aziraphale began, but one of Crowley's hands slipping down to guide him into position erased any and all notion of what he'd meant to say. Keeping the forward press of his hips measured was torture, at least until Crowley bore down on him with a groan. Did... Crowley stammered, meeting Aziraphale's breathless kiss with laughter. Did I say the pie was good? Because... Oh. He shuddered into Aziraphale's careful thrust. I haven't the faintest idea if I'll be up for more, Aziraphale said haltingly, adjusting his hold on Crowley's leg as he withdrew and pushed in again. But... Three out of seven isn't... There wasn't any tactful way to say lust was going to do them in, but Crowley's bitten-off cries and half-hissed pleas were heavenly. This experiment was at least on par with dessert. <clears throat> Crowley gasped wide-eyed, with a strained jerk of his hips. I'm going to... I do hope so, Aziraphale whispered, nipping Crowley's ear. 
He rocked frantically without withdrawing this time, feeling Crowley's breath hitch in delicious warning. Oh, God, Crowley rasped, clearly beyond caring what he sounded like, winding his arms tight around Aziraphale's neck. Feels like... Feels like... what? Aziraphale gasped. His next conscious thought was lost to the last stutter of his hips and the utterly glorious havoc that orgasm played with his nerve endings. Crowley clawed at Aziraphale's shoulders, pressing them closer, bucking against the restraint of Aziraphale's arms hooked beneath his knees. And then he was gone, the hint of wetness against Aziraphale's chest spreading with each taut thrust. I haven't supposed to. Crowley sighed as he went limp. He trembled, thighs tensing when Xerophel dug in his thumbs at Crowley's hip bones and massaged there. Hmm. I quite agree, Xerophel panted, enjoying the aftershocks immensely. He kissed Crowley's temple and miracled them clean, pleased when Crowley made a few more of the content noises he'd been making earlier. Satisfied? Never, Crowley yawned, nudging at Aziraphale's arms until he got the message and disentangled them so Crowley could stretch his legs. So I'll need more, understand? Perfectly, Aziraphale said, tugging Crowley's blanket down off the back of the sofa. He tipped them sidelong onto the spacious white leather cushions, tangled and warm. The film they'd been ignoring plodded on in the background, lulling them into a doze. Crown of Thorns will continue in Chapter 74.